social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. Make Henry Oil your oil provider this winter. Give them a call today. Call Henry Oil, 401-521-0200, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, serving most Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential and commercial, it's Henry Oil. Give them a call. Since 1947, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. Make Henry Oil your oil provider. 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Remember, online at henryoil.com. Go with the original. Go with the best. It's Henry Oil. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It is Friday. It's March 4th. Still cold out. And, folks, just again, another programming note. Starting Monday, this broadcast will come to you from Eastern Europe. We're going to go where the story is. Um, I'm traveling over the weekend. Could be some, could be things out of our hands. Could be some kind of delay. Uh the plan is to be on Monday. If not, definitely Tuesday or whatever. We're going to take it by air. Now, if you follow me on Facebook, I will be doing Facebook Lives along the trip. I'll do it you know, just as I'm leaving. And then uh, I, I arrive in Frankfurt, Germany. Probably do a Facebook Live there. And then um, I, we are, are going to enter Eastern Europe through um, Poland. So then get into uh, parts of Poland. So anyhow, next week. Uh, I think you'll like it. We're going to be there for quite, I don't know. Uh, the answer is someone said to me or asked me, I should say, now, how long are you there for? The answer is um, undetermined. It's a fluid situation. I am there <laughs> until I'm not there, until uh, suddenly I decide for whatever reason I'm, I'm going to leave. The story's over or it's getting a little dicey, what have you. But, and as you uh, know, folks, the situation changing rapidly. I also want to make note um now, a couple of things. First of all, Rhode Island story. This story with Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee and these judges getting the bonuses, he started it. He's now trying to back off it. It's disgraceful. It is outrageous. Uh, the fact that that judge to tell the judges that have a lifetime appointment need a $3,000 bonus as a retention bonus is just ludicrous. But and I know Governor McKee is trying to distance himself from this. Listen, it's all a scam. It's all just because they have money. It's wrong. The judges should not be taking it, but Governor McKee shouldn't have been giving it out. Um, very unimpressive first year in office. He, his way, he has an um, a he has uh, an ill-conceived idea of what it's like to be governor because he feels this is easy. I have two billion dollars to spend, and it doesn't work that way. But I'm going to play some of the sound of that. But I also want to make mention of the fact that, folks, I recognize many people have been thrown off by this, uh, by what's happened. And I'm going to go to some of this of, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but this culpability, and I've said that, you know, Laura Ingram, last Wednesday night, when the bombing started and the war started, and her and President Trump on the air, knocking President Biden, knocking and mocking the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, boy, that hasn't held up well. It was all wrong. Tucker Carlson's, Tucker Carlson's, portions of his show they're using and playing in russia for russian propaganda so i think he may want to rethink some of his stance on things and as a result of that a lot of people followed along and a lot of you followed along and so they went down this path of this narrative that oh ukraine's to blame and putin's a friend of america it's all ridiculous well last night um i didn't see it live but it was pretty dramatic that sean hannity is breaking with President Trump. Sean Hannity went on the air last night and said Putin needs to be eliminated. So hinting at needs to be assassinated. Now, President Trump came out Wednesday and said the Russian army has to stop killing people. Well, it all begins and ends with Putin. It does. And I, as those of you that have been listening to the John DePietro show, I've had no problems 
just uh, pointing out the evil and people are just on the wrong side of history. And, and I'll also say this as a Trump supporter and someone that voted for him twice Saturday when he did that CPAC speech, that was a missed opportunity to lay it out and frame it for his followers. We are good. They are evil. Uh, a message of, well, if I was in office, this wouldn't be happening. That doesn't help the people of Ukraine to keep blaming this on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. That doesn't help the people of Ukraine. This is very simple. One country is killing innocent civilian people of another country. Russia invaded Ukraine, period, end of story. The rest is all noise, irrelevant. Well, if Trump was still in office, irrelevant. Well, Biden, irrelevant. All of it true. Biden is weak. Harris is weak. President of France is weak. NATO, who had been weakened, is stronger now. Begins and ends with Putin. It does. That's pretty dramatic that Sean Hannity came out. And I am hoping that other conservative commentators will also begin to come out and speak about that now closer to home let's get to and i want to give that credit to that channel 10 reporter but you know this all started with governor mckee handing out all these all these bonuses now i know he doesn't particularly like that but it's just a fact um should it should judges be getting all these bonuses does that make sense to you Judges that have lifetime appointments, they're getting, you know, $200,000, $250,000 a year. They need, and never mind, the court system was closed for a big part of the pandemic. McKee, well, you know, the retention bonuses wasn't, wasn't my idea. Well, no, the, you set the standard. You set it in motion. Governor McKee did. Because with the unions, in for a penny, in for a pound. Let's hear. NBC10 has actually done a very good job on this story but this folks make no mistake about it this begins and ends with rhode island governor dan Mc well it does he set it in motion you're supposed to set the example let's hear uh the channel 10 story um on this why is this not negotiated the bonuses for the union workers as part of their contracts but says for other branches of government they have their own budgets and made their own decisions to extend those bonuses to non-union workers some rhode island taxpayers are upset and angry after learning 1,737,000 of their tax dollars are being extended to 579 non-union state employees. And while many people have been quick to shame Governor Dan McKee, he says that wasn't his decision. I wouldn't classify this as a McKee it is. Uh, you know, uh, stipend. Governor no, it McKee is. says he approved the $3,000 retention bonuses for union workers All when lies. they were negotiating contracts. Ball. It's a retention uh, ridiculous you know, um, that I think is good in terms Liar. of negotiation, which I said before. What an idiot! Well at, you don't know how to negotiate over, over a period of time, and also rewarded workers. Oh, give me a break! He's that, the uh, first pretended you know, uh, it was a vaccine a, bonus. Uh, use of our, of our funds. And now other departments that he doesn't have control of are playing copycat, giving the same bonus to non-union employees. I don't know about that. There's other independent, uh, as you know, the. Judiciary is a separate branch of government. They make, they have budgets on their own. They they actually work with their budgets. Same thing as the general treasurer. NBC10 reported an example of this Wednesday. Assistant court spokesman Craig Berkey says the judicial branch's own budget, approved by the Chief Justice Paul Sattel and State Court Administrator, paid for its 274 non-union court employees to receive the retention bonus, including 31 judges appointed for life and magistrates who are guaranteed 10 years of employment. NBC10 also talked to the legislative branch regarding its 255 non-union employees who got the bonus. Representatives for the House Speaker and Senate President sent us a statement saying in part, Speaker Shikarchi and President Ruggiero made the decision to remain consistent with the past practice of following the outcome of the administration's negotiations That's with right. Article 94 yes. regarding pay schedules and benefits. because McKee did it. 
Governor McKee tells me he feels like he's done right by the taxpayers and the people who work for them. Ludicrous. The yeah, if he feels that way, then he's unfit for office. I said that, and I stand by it. Well, I'm glad Channel 12 has also uh, gotten their teeth onto this. Listen, it's wrong. And it started with when Governor McKee gave the Providence teachers $3,000 signing bonuses. And it's the ultimate. Everybody then wants in. What a joke. Judges who don't even pay into their own pensions are now getting retention bonuses. It's so ridiculous. Retention bonuses go to judges with lifetime appointments. See, then they say, well, you know, it's only fair because everybody across the board got it and blah, blah, blah. It, it is such nonsense. This is such poor. But Governor McKee, oh, this this wasn't a McKee stipend. No, no, it was. That's a good way to describe it. Now, the only problem is if you had a viable Republican candidate, they could be going to town over this because the Democrat candidates will not go after Monica because they're also in the pockets of the unions. This is the uh, Channel 12 report on it. $1,000 bonus is going to even more state workers, and the cost of the incentive continues to climb. The bonus is being billed as a way to retain employees, but we've learned it's going to state judges who have lifetime appointments. <laughs> 12 News reporter Kim Colonia joins us now with the latest updates and reaction. Kim? Well, you might remember this controversial $3,000 yes. bonus started off as a vaccine incentive yep. for employees of the largest state worker union. That's right. Well, now it's being billed as a retention bonus, though some are scratching their heads about why judges with those lifetime appointments need an incentive to stay in their jobs. Oh Chief God. Justice Paul Sattel is among close to 600 non-union state workers getting what's being billed as a $3,000 retention bonus. Sattel earns an annual salary of more than $250,000 and joke. approved the payments for himself and other non-union judiciary employees. He and other state judges have lifetime appointments. Common Cause Executive Director John Marion argues the payments have been mislabeled from the start. They're not retention bonuses because they're clearly being given to quite a few employees who aren't at risk of leaving the state employment court spokesman craig berkey agreed saying in part we view these bonus payments as well-deserved compensation for our hard-working employees judicial officers the courts included. were closed the payments were initially proposed yep. by governor dan mckee as vaccine incentives following backlash he changed course now more than 19 million dollars in bonuses nine million of which will be paid for with state taxpayer money are going out to thousands of union and non-union state workers governor mckee's office noted that the the executive branch chose not to give bonuses to its non-union workers, saying the judiciary and legislature made their own decisions. Marion thinks the bonuses should have been more targeted to sectors most impacted by COVID. There's a good policy reason to give a bonus to a nurse. I would submit there's not a good policy reason to give bonuses to every employee in certain departments of state government. They're bribes. He's they bribing people for votes. So do you think this was a bad policy yes. decision? Yeah, I think it was a bad policy decision on the part of Governor McKee. Like a lot of different departments started with and the Marion governor. Also says it would have been better had these payments gone through a typical public budgeting process. He also hopes that lawmakers ask why there was so much discretionary money sitting around to cover this cost. I'm you know, Kalinian, 12 News. nice job by Channel 12. Folks, it never, as I've said, I don't want to be a broken record here, but it never occurs to them, gee, maybe maybe we should return some of that money to the taxpayers because that's whose money it is. Now, and I'm I'm going to say, number one, John Marion at Common Cause could be a much, a lot, lot stronger. But no, this begins and ends with Governor McKee. This is being done. These are bribes. These are, I'm going to give you this money. And remember, 1,500 of the 3,000 hits in July, right before early voting for the September primary. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. A problem with your heating system? Call R.E. Coogan Heating today, 401-732-6562. 24-hour emergency service, gas boiler, oil burner, Coogan Heating, 401-732-6562. They're helpful. Trustworthy, reliable. Explore their services. Look for them on Facebook and the website is recooganheating.com. Residential services, as Coogie says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. Plumbing, heating, and cooling from winter to summer. 
trained technicians provide 100% service one customer at a time. From service calls, maintenance agreements, to installation, RE Coogan Heating, proud to help residential customers, and they pride themselves making customer service and satisfaction a top priority. Call them today. Now it's cold. It's going to remain cold. Call Coogan Heating today, 401-732-6562. It's Coogie. It's 24-hour emergency service. Hey, not long ago, our hot water tank gave out. What did I do? Did I panic? Did I try to fix it? I called Coogan Heating, 401-732-6562. Look for them on Facebook, and then the website is recooganheating.com. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, we continue our conversations with Dr. Rob Harrison. And Dr. Rob, during these uh, challenging times, uh, especially the winter time and everything going on with COVID, people get locked down. People are not seeing people as much. It can be a very challenging, frustrating time for people. That's why it's so important for people to realize, and especially family members that have men over 50 this epidemic of people doing harm to themselves taking their own lives and that's why more and more people are learning about mantherapy.org yes john uh you're absolutely right there is a, a huge problem with uh, with middle-aged men but with, uh, with adults of all ages honestly and of all sexes but we're focusing as we said on, on middle-aged men and man therapy is a great resource um to help then kind of sort out where they are in their mental health problems and also uh, to look at resources that might be available for them. Dr. Rob, if you would be so kind as just to let people know, when people log on, whether it be a family member that could be concerned about a, a husband, a father, an uncle, a grandfather, a boyfriend, or the, the person himself, what are the types of questions that they're going to find at mantherapy.org? Well, a lot of times they're just going to try to one of the best things to do is just for a man to take the 20-point head inspection. Uh, that will help a man figure out, am I just being feeling stressed or am I really suffering maybe from depression or severe anxiety or something else like that? That's probably the best place to start to kind of see where you are um, and if you need to kind of seek some other help or not. Uh, another great place to start is looking at some of the, the videos, the testimonials of, of men who have struggled with different problems and found that uh, there's a lot of help available if they are willing to uh, ask for it. Folks, again, we're speaking with Dr. Rob Harrison, and I want the listeners to understand that, you know, Dr. Rob, th this is, it shouldn't be someone's imagination. Let's face it, th these are difficult times right now. Number one, the winter time can be tough. And when we're getting, you know, feet by the snow, by the feet, not just the inch, that can be a challenge. But between inflation, between, you know, the ongoing battle with COVID, it, it's very understandable that people may start to really start to feel down, maybe lower than they've ever felt. But the good thing, folks, about mantherapy.org is it's designed specifically with men and helping both them to maybe get help and, more importantly, family members see some of the warning signs. Yeah, it, it is. And it, any any women out there who have a men in their life that they're concerned about, <coughs> excuse me, um, this would be a, a great website to go to just to try to, to see if uh, it may have some suggestions for you that could be helpful. But certainly you could encourage uh, your your male friend to uh, to also seek it, the, the website. It's so easy. It's always available. There's no stigma involved. Nobody's going to know that you went there. It's uh, It's just a great way to to kind of investigate where you are and to seek some help. Folks, again, we're speaking with Dr. Rob Harrison, and I want the listeners to understand, you know, Dr. Rob and I, we fully recognize this is not an easy topic to to, to, to broach with people, and people are very sensitive, but there is, without question, there is an epidemic of men, older men, uh, 50 and older, who are uh, taking their own life, and, and many times there are warning signs there are ways that uh, there is, you know, people hear about CPR. And, Dr. Rob, there's even a way that there is an employer or maybe a coach or maybe just a family member that they could take very simple that you offer that, as you talk about, it could save lives. And it's very easy and helps people understand some of the warning signs. Yeah, QPR is, is a great training. Uh, it's, it's community level training. Any adult uh, can take it. Any adult can help save a life. 
and I believe it should be just as required as, as CPR, or perhaps even more. I think CPR is more effective really than CPR at saving lives. Um, it, the, most of the trainings in, in South County certainly are free. I offer uh, free Zoom trainings uh, for the community the first and third Tuesdays of every month from 6 in the evening to 7.30, just an hour and a half. People are certified for three years as, as suicide prevention gatekeepers. And it's a, an evidence-based program. We know it works. We know the studies are binded or solid. So um, you can go to healthybodieshealthyminds.org if you want to get a, a schedule of the, the trainings. And they can even get the registration link there. Uh, as I said, it's free. Uh, I even had somebody from Las Vegas take the training with me a couple of weeks ago. He had heard about it from a friend in, in Rhode Island and uh, uh, was struggling with his uh, with a family member who was uh, uh, having difficulty. So um, this is a, a great free training. I think Again, I think every adult should have it. Folks, again, he is Dr. Rob Harrison. The website is mantherapy.org. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at the website, dipetro.com. And remember, when you're there, we have all kinds of uh, unique, original stories. Folks, it's time for our legal segment. Joining me right now, he is one of the uh, top attorneys in our area. He is our legal expert. He is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, if you don't mind, I'd like to start off with, um, obviously, Ukraine is, is a big story. We're going to touch on a number of different things. But just President Zelensky of Ukraine calling for war crimes investigation, obviously against Putin and what's going on with Russia. And that's certainly not – I don't remember the last time. You and I have talked about a lot of segments. I don't remember if we've covered the war crimes situation. But what, what type of um, – and again, I, I don't expect you to be the, the world. This is not a common topic. But what, what falls under the element – when I hear war crime, that, that sounds like you know a legal proceeding. Well, war crimes, to the best of my understanding, can be a number of different things. Um, if you use weapons which have been outlawed by international conventions, um, I believe the cluster bar bombs that uh, Putin wants to use may be outlawed, and there's some other bomb that sucks all the air out of yeah. the, the environment and then causes a huge explosion. I think they call it the father of all bombs. Yeah. Um, those are illegal by international treaty. Now, is that sufficient? Maybe not. The next level would be, are you uh, engaging in essentially terrorism? Are you, are you um, intentionally hitting soft targets, civilian targets, children, um, schools, hospitals, um, targets with no intrinsic military value, um, targets to simply scare the hell out of people and to weaken their will to engage in uh, the conflict, not military targets. The last significant um, leader of a country, to my recollection, who went to the Hague charges uh, of um, committing war crimes was Slobodan Milosevic, yep. um, who was uh, a Serbian. He broke off from Yugoslavia, but he was engaged in, I believe you'd want to call it a genocide against the Bosnians, against um, folks in Kosovo, the Croatians. I mean, all of those Slavic peoples at that time seemed to be at war with each other as they worked out where their national boundaries would be. Milosevic uh, was quite a barbarian. He did all these things. He used the weapons which were not recognized. Uh, he targeted ethnic populations um, he was indiscriminate in who he targeted. He was ultimately brought before the Hague, um, charged with war crimes. Um, that trial lasted for five years. It ended inconclusively because he died while in prison. Oh. So there's not a real good recent um, case regarding war crimes. I guess you could look back to um, the trials that followed World War II, um, with all of the Nazi leaders, many of whom were killed, were hanged, um, were sentenced to life in prison. Um, that would have been a similar type situation. The problem is typically 
the governmental leader who wants who we wish to be charged with a war crime has to be on the losing side or has something happened to their government that they're overthrown. Um, The Hitler regime was overthrown. The Milosevic regime was overthrown. If Putin's not overthrown, um, there's really not going to be a very effective means to extract him from Russia, drag him to The Hague and have him stand trial. That's not a likely scenario unless he's overthrown by forces within his own country and his own government or the military. But he is doing things which... Um, if not quite there, or tantamount to war crimes, it's the weapons, the targeting of civilians, um, the terrorist activities, if you will, those would be sufficient to get him charged if you could ever get him to a place and extract him for prosecution. Hmm. Uh, folks, again, uh, we're speaking with our legal analyst, Attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, obviously that's in the news, but I, I, we want to touch on some of the other legal things. It's something that we had touched on, and I think this is interesting. And it has to do with the mayor of Boston, uh, Michelle Wu, who, since she's been uh, elected mayor, there are anti-vaccine, anti-mask people. And they certainly don't like a lot of the restrictions that she's imposed and various things like that. So apparently they would, on a regular basis, in the neighborhood, you had to wait until 7 o'clock. And at 7 o'clock, it was like a rooster going off. The protesters would be right there and they'd blow a horn and start chanting and so forth right in her neighborhood. And then um, I think she would kind of leave shortly after that. And then they would all just go off to work or go on their merry way. Well, this is interesting now because it, it's my understanding she is now trying to – is this – would this be a law, Tim Dodd, or, or an ordinance? Uh, but they, they're trying to introduce something. Basically, it sounds like to prohibit protesters from going to the homes of elected officials. Yes, it's a proposed ordinance which would um, allow protests, let's say, at a politician's home, but between the hours of 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. And I believe if the um, hours of um, where you could protest were violated, you'd be subject to a $100 fine. So that might not be too big of a... Um, detriment to people who want to go torture some um, elected official and, you know, bang drums in front of the house at two in the morning. Um, There's also carve outs that if it's an organized parade that happens to go past a politician's house um, and it's not between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m., that would not necessarily violate this proposed statute. Um, I guess now that she's mayor and she's um, suffering some protests, this has become front and center. I don't recall her being out front saying boo uh, when Sarah Sanders was getting harassed at restaurants and Mitch McConnell was getting and um, Joe Manchin getting harassed on his houseboat in D.C. Not a word was spoken. But I guess now that she's catching some flack, it's time for an ordinance. I, I think it's a good thing. I think that no matter which side of the political world you sit on, um, these you know, organized protests to intimidate and to harass an elected official um, at their home with their families present, their spouses present, it, it's, um, I think that's where free speech runs up against individuals' mm. rights. And I think having some constraints on the, the method and the hours and the means by which you protest in front of a politician's house have to be curtailed. Uh, things that are happening today would have been um, never considered to be something people would do a generation ago. But now it seems mm. like it's one of the first pages out of the playbook. Do you think, Tim Dodd, is this something they would be challenged? Is this something they'd be successful with? I've heard even in Boston now, see, they were also doing this. Uh, and again, folks, I speak with our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. They, they were, you know, close to home. We had a governor of Mundo. There, there were protesters that were going to her home. Way back, I remember some protesters uh, went outside of Governor Kachiri's home. And, you know, last summer, as I said, you know, Governor Mundo, this past fall, some protesters went to the outside the home of Governor McKee, although they weren't that long. Same thing with Mayor Alorza last summer. But with Governor Baker, 
you know, they would gather pretty regularly in, in front of his home in Swampscott. Uh, would would this be like across the board or would this is she trying to institute because other people are suggesting that's why they should give them special housing. So, you you know, you're the mayor. You'd live, for instance, the mayor of New York lives in Gracie Mansion. Uh, there's in a lot of states they do have actually a, a governor's mansion. We don't in, in Rhode Island. But therefore, it would almost be better because then protesters, if they were going to do that, at least they're not disturbing a neighborhood. Yeah, it that's a it's a tough um, tightrope yeah. to walk. Um, I, I do think there has to be some restrictions on the the manner in which you can uh, protest in front of a politician's house. Mm-hmm. Many towns, you know, people don't even realize that have things like noise ordinances that you right. cannot have um, sounds like motorcycles or bands playing or whatever the case might be, fireworks going off after a certain hour some communities have decibel levels beyond which you can't um operate or you could be fined so i think that there's a reasonable line to be drawn as to what is permissible you know um, protest in front of politicians house and what isn't and i think the nine to nine makes sense yeah um i i think that's somewhat reasonable um, I don't think it's not t- denying someone's right to protest. It's just or their freedom of speech. It's just you can't do it late, late at night and you can't do it early in the morning. And if you want to do it at two in the morning just to be a buster and you're going to get fined a hundred bucks, if you're willing to yeah. take that hit, I guess then you won't be deterred. Mm-hmm. Folks, quick break. A lot more. Our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro show. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. Were you in an auto accident, someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen, whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, They're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident, drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender bender, even a nearly totaled vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. They'll handle everything for you, the original, the best. And if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340, 272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired, 401-272-3340. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380. 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, petro.com. Joining me right now, she is an independent columnist, opinion maker. It is one of my siblings. It is Donna Ferry. Uh, and DJ, I, I did break the news um, on, on Monday that uh, we're going to take this show on the road. We're going mobile. We will uh, a week from now, and we'll have to figure out how we'll do the segment. But we will be over at the Ukraine border uh, giving on-site reporting of it. This is the story. We go to where the story is. And so um, I look forward to hopefully sharing perspective with you while we're we're over in Ukraine. And I want to start off and get your thoughts on what has just yes. been um, one of those weeks, an explosive week. It was the buildup. Wednesday night kicked into action. Uh, so much has happened. And all of the eyes of the world have suddenly fallen on to Russia and Ukraine. Yes. And may I just say, J.D., I am very excited and excited for our, the audience, for uh, yes. J, J.D. Yeah. War Correspondent. It, uh, <laughs> Thank it's you. Absolutely. Um, it will be great. It will be great. And be careful. Um, oh. And to say uh, where we are right now, um, which is it's just a very complicated series of events, J.D. And I would just say what's been hanging over all of this that I think is becoming more obvious is, you know, whether if Putin envisioned this was just, oh, I'm going into Ukraine and because I think I have territory claims, it's really turned into like Putin against NATO, Putin against the West, Western Europe. And that certainly implies the U.S. 
Um, so it's, as you say, it's just a much bigger story, not that it wouldn't have been number one. Um, and I think it's, it's just a remarkable turn of events. Um, it has certainly gone, it went from like one to 100, it seemed like in 24 hours. Um, and I think there's a, where we are right now is just showing, like I say, it's very fluid. I think, um, it has been remarkable for a number of reasons. First of all, JD, just the pushback to Putin, uh, and Russia, which is, like worldwide global pushback yep. you're seeing the leaders of these major european countries when you see france germany which has not really sent weapons to help a no. war effort since we know when you know um otherwise sweden you know uh, yeah and well, otherwise neutral switzerland even getting in on yes, the act at least right. financial poland is really at the center of the action right on that border um, and the worldwide protests going on. I mean, it is an amazing pushback. So number one, it, it just shows us, as and I think you've referred to this, it's not 1939. And a lot of it is because of the phones and because of social media. The yes. world sees it going on in real time. So whether Putin wasn't really counting on that, and then there's been a lot made that his initial military push was kind of not what maybe he expected. Um, and I just think not only the embrace of the Ukraine under siege around the world, but the rise of Zelensky uh, mm. and, and to this kind of superstar wartime president level. I mean, it, it's, it's all very extraordinary, but JD, it's all very fluid, can be very dangerous. Yep. I think um, the way this is going to play out is this is like only the first stage and I don't think Putin undertakes this without having a lot of, you know, uh, plans up his sleeve. So, you know, it's just, it is a very precarious moment. And I also think, um, I think the way the U.S. under Biden is managing it has been also curious in that I think in the beginning they looked so reserved. Yes. Um, and and I, a lot of people have made a lot of that. And also I think once the NATO countries like I say, Germany and, and France stepping up, it's almost like I think Biden has felt a little pressure to kind of show, you know, they felt a little showed up by the NATO, you know, countries. So and they should. Yeah, they should. And let's yeah. talk about Zelensky, Donna Perry, simply because, I mean, this comedian turned, as someone said to me, it'd be like a Bill Maher suddenly was the president, a comedian turned right. president. Um, you know, you'd heard about him, the whole thing with Giuliani over there. But but what, what I just find also, you know, so many people were learning about him. And in, in, look in our country. I mean, Biden is obviously an older man and, and President Trump is 75 and Putin is 69. Suddenly there is this, you know, 40, 40, early 40. Yeah, young. He's very dynamic and, you know, he's charismatic. And there he is on the street saying, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. Right. And it just talk about a line. Of I, I just I don't think we we haven't seen anyone like that, whether it was, you know, you're going to go back to me like a JFK or just like Churchill's moment. But talk about someone that just really rose, met the moment using social media, using the phone, putting his video out there. I mean, what an incredible turn of events. Absolutely. And as you say, John, I think uh, that quote which really, I think, had to a little bit get under the skin of the U.S. under the, And it yeah. really was our military in the first early days. If you think about it, that was, I don't want to say that was kind of the coward's way out, but they were yeah. almost saying, oh, we can just, like, get you out of the city. You're yeah. the president. No way. And he was like, I am standing my ground. I am not going anywhere. Like, this is my country. This is our homeland. And that quote, I need ammunition, not a ride. Mm. I think that that was his putting his stake in the ground. And it, you know, JD, it's almost like in the course of events when you, it, you, you almost would need a guy like that. It was almost like, it's so authentic because he's kind of like an ordinary man yes. finding himself in yeah. an extraordinary moment. And it's on mm. the global stage, you know, and it's almost like maybe a more polished years of practice type of politician would not have, Almost like this is a gut instinct by yeah, him, like, you know, like, right. and, and almost point. like just an authentic guy, like an ordinary man 
is just saying, no, I'm not, I'm, we're not dropping our arms. We're no, not having and I'm this. not escaping out of here. Right. I'm, you know, like the captain ready to go down with the ship. Folks, again, we're speaking yep. with Donna Perry. And, you know, DJ, it, it, I also want to hand it to our military, especially military intelligence, because because it, it certainly seems as though they were always like one step ahead of telegraphy very clearly yes. what was happening. And, you know, obviously the French president didn't understand there were going to be no negotiations. There was going to be no summit. Right. Um, our military determined that, you know, no, he's moving forward. Everything says he's moving forward. We see their supply lines. We see the, you know, the tents of medical personnel. They're transferring blood up to the, the border. They're going to wait till after the Olympics. Um, I think it was also, and I don't know how much it's, it's been reported enough, but China was meddling and trying to find out from us of where are you getting this intelligence? And and seemingly it was almost as like a double agent because they wanted to, you know, then yeah, circle feed it, back fed, to Putin feed it and back let him to know him. of how we were getting this intelligence. I mean, when is the last time something was done so underhanded on such a high stakes world level? Absolutely. And I, I do think, as you say, I think there's so many dimensions to this story. You know, China's role China yep. behind the scenes. A lot yes. of this is not known yet. Like, you know, what kind of a role were they playing? As you say, double agent. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think Putin will find that they're, they are a double agent. So what does yes. that mean? Right. In the end, uh, President Xi, when, when people are starting to throw around things like we'll charge you with war crimes, you know, she's going to hold his distance and say, oh, well, yeah, you did this, not me. You know what I mean? Like, I think yes. you'll find that the Chinese leadership can be like double and triple, you know, um, going around you. But I do think, as you say, U.S. intel, they saw it coming up to a point. And I think I don't criticize Biden's team in this way. Um, I think they're very wary of if we have a full on irrational Putin. And I, I don't think you can underestimate that there is, you know, this very frightening other piece of the story, and that is a country that has the nuclear weapons that they have and the level yep. of what they have. Um, That's right. We all know that was the whole point of us versus them in the Cold War. Yeah. Um, although, you know, there are indications of in these recent decades, I don't think they've had the money that they used to have and they've kind of gotten choked off. So whether they have that arsenal to the degree that, you know, we might have originally thought that's a different story, but I think that these are all the things that make, I think, Biden's job right now, John, very precarious. It's a very tricky walk. They are worrying that it, has he just gone way off the rails, um, you know, or, or is there another goal here that has not yet been disclosed, and, or how could it come to any resolution? Right. Um, but when, the, when there's the nuclear uh, weapons issue, which I think he is kind of flagging that out, Putin is, um, to kind of keep getting the West's attention. And then, you know, whether he feels that's his, you know, that's one of his arsenals to get some kind of concession that's unclear right now. It's a very difficult time for the Biden White House, because I, I do is. think that, you know, they clearly have stuck to the idea that the financial choking off of Russia, which is obviously what they're doing, um, I think, you know, the ruble tumbled, I think, in recent day or so. We're seeing, you know, a massive pullback of foreign investment. I, I don't think that doesn't start to hurt the Russian people and, and right. how Putin reacts. So and he's got huge protests in his own country, yes. um, a huge pushback. Yes. And I think that's a, another big part of the story, like how he's going to handle it in his own country. So, folks, we're going to we're going to take a quick break. A lot more Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro Show. Brothers Disposal. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster for your driveway. How do you know it's Brothers Disposal? Because it's a purple dumpster. Look for them on Facebook and give them a call for an estimate. 401-688-0517. Get a dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're cleaning out your basement, your garage, unwanted belongings. Maybe you just have some things in boxes that you've never taken out. Clean it out with Brothers Disposal. They're also now offering weekly trash collection services. Call Brother Roland today at Brothers Disposal, 401 401- 
688-0517. Whether it's a small household construction project or you just need a dumpster to get rid of some unwanted belongings, call Brothers Disposal today. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal, 401-688-0517. Look for them on Facebook, Brothers Disposal. Get a dumpster in your driveway, 401-688-0517. We're speaking with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, this next story, it's interesting. I, I actually know... Uh, I've met uh, Derek uh, Tuna McGuire. He's in a motorcycle group. And, uh, you know, it was pretty high profile. Uh, The fact they they felt that they were able to arrest him and nail him based off these wiretaps. And there has been a lot of coverage on it. But it's an interesting story that the Rhode Island Supreme Court is going to decide about this wiretap evidence. When I did talk to him because we were. I was talking to him, we were going to do an interview, and he said uh, the attorney he had, as soon as they looked at the evidence that they had against him and he was locked up, they said, he said, he looked at him and said, Derek, get ready, you're going home. So they they knew right away. But this has apparently made its way all the way to the Rhode Island Supreme Court. Yes. um, The Supreme Court is going to well, let me back up. The, the judge in the Superior Court who heard the motion to suppress and granted the motion to suppress, Judge Vogel, who's a very sharp, really, really good judge, uh, looked at the law. And, you know, you can't look at the facts or who the defendants are. you got to look at the law. And if you look at the law, it was appropriate to suppress all that wiretap material because it was not properly effectuated. Um, The wiretap statute in Rhode Island authorizes the presiding judge of the Superior Court to uh, sign such wiretap warrants, or in the absence of the presiding judge, the most senior associate. So the presiding judge is Judge Gibney, the senior associate is Judge Krauss. For whatever reason, in this case, uh, the presiding judge asked a different judge, Judge um, um, Thunberg, to review the case and to sign the um, the wiretap warrant. The statute does not allow for that. It only allows for two different individuals, the presiding judge and the senior associate. The law is quite clear. Wow. Um, Now, you know, law enforcement might say this is a terrible outcome because we've got so much material against this um, um, organization. Yeah, we could get some real good convictions here. But yeah. if the if the proper procedures were not followed, right. the law is the law. It it yep. can't be outcome determinative. You can't say, well, this is a bad guy, so we're going to forget what the statute says because we want to get him. Or alternatively, well, in a different case, this is a good person and they shouldn't get jammed up, so we'll, we'll kind of look the other way. Um, the Supreme Court uh, heard oral arguments and they, um, the justices gave uh, the attorney from the Attorney General's department a pretty rough time <laughs> because... Oh. You know, the attorney's got a job to do. He's up there saying that, you know, the motion to suppress, which was granted, should be overturned. He's got to make an argument. But sometimes it's a tough argument if you don't have great law or great facts on your side. And he got um, knocked around pretty well by the Supreme Court. Um, wow. the, well, the Supreme Court, around the Supreme Court, um, it's always fun and challenging to argue there because you're like a goalie and they're all slapping pucks at you and you're, mm. you're taking, you're taking fire from all directions. They're asking good questions. You've got to be on your toes. Um, they have read all the material. They know the law. They ask incisive questions. And when you've got the law and the facts on your side, it's a lot of fun. And when you don't, it can be um, uncomfortable. Just let's yep. say. <laughs> so I, for, I foresee the Supreme court, sustaining what Judge Vogel did in suppressing the uh, material obtained through these wiretaps. Wow. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, let's stay uh, in the northern part of the state. This is an unusual story out of Boroughville. 
Um, you know, people enjoy Second Amendment, right to bear arms. Um, we, where did this go off track? Other than apparently some of his neighbors feel there were always bullets flying all over the property. But they um, they found an awful, uh, a tremendous amount of, of, of weapons in this case. And it's, it's certainly not every day that you hear that they go into a home. And apparently this... This guy, and I, I knew of him. I, I don't think I've ever communicated with him, but someone reached out to me when he was he was running for some office of some kind. It just didn't work out. But um, I don't remember the last time, and you and I cover a lot of these. I don't remember the last time that, that they went into a home and, and there was just this amount of firepower that someone had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, this guy is a character. Um, yeah. Apparently he likes shooting guns. Yeah. Um, he had when his home was finally raided, I believe well over 200 weapons. Wow. And one of the cops said, you know, he had more firepower than most police departments have in the state of Rhode wow. Island. Now he's currently being held um, without bail on federal charges. He had a criminal record. Um, but after he was sentenced and had a criminal record where he's not supposed to be in possession of firearms, um, he acquired them by many means by lying on applications we don't know from if he was buying guns on the street if he was lying to get them legitimately from gun stores but he amassed quite an arsenal now the judge in um the federal court who was handling the matter saw fit that he should be uh, given bail so long as um, he had an ankle monitor and promised to stay away from any gun shops, which I thought was a great condition. Um, The U.S. Attorney's Office objected, saying there's no way to properly track this guy. He thumbs his nose at law enforcement. He's not worried about breaking the rules. It's going to be impossible to track him. And he's likely a guy out there who will once again find a way to acquire and amass another arsenal of weapons. Bail, as we've discussed on many occasions, is not to punish a defendant before trial. It's to, number one, ensure that that person will return to court, and number two, um, deny bail if it can be shown that that person is a danger to the community. Now, I guess one of the arguments is this guy is a danger to the community because he's got this amount of firepower and he's always out in his backyard allegedly uh, shooting his weapons, um, which could be a danger to to his neighbors, certainly. And um, I'm not sure why a condition couldn't be home confinement. You put an ankle bracelet on the guy. You give them home confinement, they can track that. And if they find that he's away from his property, they throw him back in jail. So right now he remains incarcerated. But I, I have a suspicion that uh, the judge in the federal court will um, this week um, grant him some bail with some pretty strict conditions. I think it's appropriate to give him bail with some pretty strict conditions. Yeah. Um, unless there's a real good showing that he's a flight risk or a danger. Folks, another quick break. A lot more. Legal expert attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro Show.